With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At D.L. Martin Ministries, we appreciate this opportunity to bring you the freedom and healing found in God's Word. We pray that He will bless you and enrich your walk with Him through this teaching. After the program, stay tuned for information about other resources from D.L. Martin Ministries. Okay, so let's move on towards, or let's pick up the idea of knowing who we are in Him and knowing our position. Well, when we know who we are in Him, it's very important that we understand that because that gives us the confidence to be able to do the things that God has called us to do. Well, how do you do that? Some of the best advice I've ever gotten was to know my frame. It took me a long time to figure out what that meant, but I went to an altar one time, and um, this uh, re- evangelist-type revivalist um, minister who had come to our church in my hometown every Friday night for months. He would drive about six hours to have this service on a Friday evening. And he would pray over me, and he would say, you know, in Michigan I'm called Cindy, so, you know, Cindy, you need to know your frame. You need to get a hold of your frame. You need to know your frame. And I, and I thought, okay, well, I don't know what that means. But, you know, that was in a, in a period in my life when I had given up who I was. I didn't know my own color, you know, my own favorite color. I didn't even know what I liked. I, liked, I knew everything about what everybody else wanted. But I had so put me into nothingness that I didn't even know who I was anymore. I had not developed. Once I had gotten married at 18, I guess I was, was I 18 or 19, somewhere in there, close to 19, um, I had put myself on hold. It was like I, you know, folded myself up and put myself away. I believed a religious lie that um, a woman is to sacrifice herself and totally give herself to her husband to the place that you become nothing, and your whole life is about advancing who he is. Well, you know what? That is true partially. Isn't that like the enemy? He gives us a half-truth. It is partially, and I don't want to get stuck on that. But, you know, he's supposed to do the same. But somehow in, in my situation, we, you know, I always thought about... The, the unity candle, and I hear I'm getting off on a story, but I always thought about the unity candle, but when we got married, we blowed out mine. We left his running. <laughs> we became him. You know what I'm saying? So I forgot who I was. I, I, didn't, I didn't forget. I, I had hoofed her out. I didn't know who she was. And so, you know, we need to um, probably, you know, as I look back on that, I probably never, I didn't ever get that revelation until just now. That was an important step of where God was bringing me to recognize, you know what, you need to develop who you are, and that who you are is okay. And then not only who you are is okay, but I made you and I need you the way that you are. How many times have I said over and over again, you don't need any more me's? I got, he's got me now. He's got me. I know who I am. I'm moving forward, and I'm, he, I'm using what he made me. You know, as much as I can and I'm aware of, he has the availability of my gifts. I'm lending them to him, or not lending him, they're his. I've given them to him. He, I belong to him. He's using me. So he doesn't need me, but he needs you. Because I can't do it all. You don't want me to do it all. There are only certain things that I do well. And we'll be talking about that a little later. Um, so it's important that you know who your frame is. Well, how do we do that? Well, this is going to sound real natural and real, real non-spiritual. 
But you know what? If you can come up with a better way, you tell me. This is what I did. Okay, first off, I figured out am I male or female? <laughs> I'm female. You know, it was nice of me to be able to find that out. But you know what? The scripture has certain things about what females do and what males do. Now, I'm not going to get into religious rules that women have to have their hair long and they can't do this and they can't do that and they can only stay at home and have babies. That's not what I'm telling you. But there are certain things that women can do. There are certain gifts that we have. There's a certain heart that we have. There's a certain way that we go about it. There's a nurturing role that we have that don't, men don't necessarily have. Do I think men can develop that? Yes. Are there some men that are great at it? Yes. That's not what I'm saying, that men don't have those roles. I'm just saying there are some thir- certain things recognized in the Word of God. Are you a male or female? What does God have to say to you about being a male? What does God have to say to you about being a female? What does God have to say? Not religion, not rules, not society. What does God have to say about whether you're a male or female? Then we take a look at our personality. You know, God says that he created us in our mama's womb. He knows who we are. He made us that way on purpose. You know, I used to cry and say, God, why did you make me this way? Why am I all wrong? I wasn't all wrong. Now, some of the ways in which I was acting out, some of the things weren't right. But who I am is right. Now, some would say that I have a very, um, I don't want to use very. Maybe I do, but maybe I don't. Uh, Aggressive. A personality, um, I'm out there, and you know, some of my traits may be even looked upon as male, but I'm not male, I'm female. Well, that's really confusing to me. Why is who I am acceptable in the world, but I'm not acceptable in the church? See, it wasn't necessarily God who didn't accept me, but you know what? I was created for such a time as this. I'm a mold breaker, I think. I'm different than a lot of, you know, and then God, he has such a sense of humor. He moved me to the South where I really shake up things, you know, because they're just not as bold and out there as I am. But you know what? That's okay because I know who I am and God has shown me who I am. My personality. How many of you have done personality things in the world? You know, unfortunately, we haven't done those things in the Christian world. So the the secular world had to take over those things. But you know what? If you want to put ourselves in categories, which, you know, categories are for us because we like to make things the same and God likes uniqueness. But let's just take a look at that for a second. You can look at lots of different kinds of personality testings and all that kind of thing. But how many of you would say that I probably have some cleric in me? That would be it, probably. Or I'm a high A or a high D, depending on what, what, what they, which one of the actual tests. You know what? It doesn't matter which one I take or what you call me. They all have the same kind of traits. Okay? So I had to take a look at my personality. It's almost impossible for me to go someplace and keep my mouth shut. I mean, it's really hard for me. I just want to take over. Now, I have found that if I go someplace and there's a strong leader, it's fine. But I'll let them lead. I'm really very relaxed. But then I kick into my second, which you guys don't see very often, but, but I have some sanguine in me. I like to be silly. When I'm very comfortable, I'll be very silly. If there's someone in charge, I can be silly. And then I feel bad because I'm being silly while the person's in charge. And I'm thinking, man, if you was in charge, you would not like that person. See what I'm saying? But I know who I am. And I'm okay with that. There's a time for me to be both. There's a time for me to be one or, other, one or the other. And it's okay for me to use the strengths of each one of those in the appropriate times. 
Another thing I want to tell you is not only do you look at who you are, look at the strengths and the weaknesses. I've said that to you before. But you focus on the strengths. We have a tendency in our society to focus on the weaknesses, always trying to fix the weaknesses, always trying to fix the weaknesses. And we've, we, we don't go after our strengths. We need to go after our strengths. We need to be aware of our weaknesses, but we need to embrace our strengths and go for it. That's why God gave them to us. That's what they're there for. We're not always supposed to be doing introspection. We're supposed to be going forward in God. Now, I know I've told you before that it's my tendency to get the job done. I want to get my checklist out. Check, 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 check. I have to remember that I don't overrun people. I think I've done a pretty good job at trying to be careful not to overrun people. Sometimes I overrun people and I don't see it. Now, that's one of my tendencies. When I get so focused on a goal, I don't see other things. But I have other people in my life to help me. Dean is one who shows me, whoa, hello. He's proved to me that I can get so focused that I don't see things. So when he says, hey, over here, you're missing something. Now, it would be wisdom to me to recognize that that is my weakness not to see things when they're outside of my focus, when I'm so focused, and I know when I'm in that mode, that when he says, hey, and he gets in my focus and says, you missed something, for me to be wise to say, okay, I got to trust you and believe you that I did because I don't see that. That's my blind side. But I can't be looking around all the time worried about what I'm missing because I wouldn't get anywhere. See what I'm saying? So it's important that we find out who we are, what are our strengths and our weaknesses, whether you use personality tests, whatever it is that you want to do. If you don't want to do that, you can get before God, which would be a really good idea. Say, God, who am I? You know, one of the first things I did is I started looking at, who are you? Well, I thought, you know what? I can only think of one good thing about me. I thought, you're friendly. You can be friendly. That was the only thing I could think of nice about myself, is that I could be friendly to people. I grew up always being the person who felt sorry for the person who was excluded. I could never be mean to anybody on purpose. You know how kids are like that? They'll pick out one. And always when I'd have sleepovers, I'd invite that one, and everybody like, oh, she's got to come. I'd say, but she'll be hurt if she doesn't. So I had the ability to be friends to people who maybe someone else wouldn't be friends with. Okay, It's not a deep-level friendship because I'm not real deep. But I can be friendly to you. I can talk to anybody. I drive Dean nuts. I know I do. We'll go into a store, and I'll see somebody look around. I want to go help him. We're at the, we're at the, we're at the um, airport, you know, and these old people, they can't find their gate. And I'm like, oh, God, love them. Let's help them find their gate. You know, leave them alone, he'll say. They'll be fine. People are talking. I interrupt to get in their conversation. I'll tell them everything that I know, or not everything that I know, because they'd be there a long time. But I do that. I can talk to anybody. I can. Now, not for a long period, because then it gets into being intimate or being, you know, really sharing who I am. But on a, on a conscious, I mean, just on a bypassing level, I can talk to anybody. I can walk by anybody and say, hey, how are you? I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're a big person or they're a little person. I have no problem talking to people to a certain level. And then, but that's part of who I am. I can get the ball rolling. You know, another thing is, is I have some people behind me. I'll do more than if I don't, because I'll think, well, I've got to take these people. It's probably the leader in me. You know, I have to, I have to go forward. I wouldn't go there by myself, but these people need to go there, so we're going. And I'll go through there. That's part of what my personality is. And that's not me. I mean, that's not you. That's me. So what is your personality? What is your tendency? A negative aspect that is also a positive aspect. If you want me to do, (laughs) 
I told Dean, and this is the truth. Well, it's not really necessary. I don't know. I'm not going to say whether it's the truth or not. But I'll say, the best way to get me to do something is tell me I can't. <laughs> There's a part of me that rises up. And I think that's part of a God thing, not in an ungodly way, but it's that warrior in me and who God created me to be. Well, we'll see. I don't back down. Now, used in the appropriate way, that's really great. Used in the inappropriate way, that's not so great. Okay? In marriage relationships, that's not so great. In warfare situations, that's so great. Okay. Recognizing our motivational gift. We've done teaching on that a little bit, you know. One of my, I've told you this before, and I do this just because I, I pick, pick, uh, I pick on myself because I can, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, making fun of it. My greatest or my highest motivational gift, I have a mix, is administrative. Makes, I'm very list orientated. I'm very goal orientated. I have to have a purpose. I want to accomplish my purpose. Let's get this thing done. Let's get it done on time. Better yet, get it done early. Very administrative. I like to have everything all, you know, drives me crazy when things aren't, aren't that way. So recognizing your gift enables you to serve in the kingdom. Recognize your negatives of your gifts. We need to be aware of them. Once again, don't focus on them. Um, lean on others who have other gifts. So I need, to in, I need to encircle people around me who have different gifts than I do. The, the scary part is, is when ministries... And people, Christians, have people who have all the same gifts. And they think the same way. We need everybody to get a good picture. We need them all. See, I can't speak from a place of, um, let's see, sorry, I missed something here. Our sphere of influences. Well, what is your sphere of influence? Everybody in this room, if you're alive, you have a sphere of influence. First off, you have an influence over yourself. You can influence what you do and don't do. You can influence everywhere you walk. You can influence your spouse. You can influence your children. You can influence your friends. You can influence your work situations in your area of work, the people around you, your workplace. You can, you can influence where you worship. You can influence how many of you know people in your, in your worship experience that are really passionately after God? Do they influence you in worship time? Absolutely, they do. We can influence our neighborhoods. We can influence our extended family. We can influence our cities. We can influence our nations. But first, we need to take a look at first, what is my sphere of influence? Some of us has larger spheres than others, but everybody has some. And you know what? We're not going to get judged on how big our sphere was. We're going to get judged on how well we did with the sphere we have. Take a look at that. Know your frame. Know what you're responsible for. And go after it. You know what? He who is faithful with little gets more. He who is not faithful don't get no more. He gets it taken away. That's scripture. Another thing we need to look at when we're knowing our frame is we need to look at our experiences. We need to look at our hopes and our dreams. You know, our, our, our experiences shape who we are. A person, my personal example is, I, and I've said to you before, I cannot speak from a place of a recovering alcoholic. I cannot speak of you, uh, of, to you about being delivered from drugs or physical abuse. I can't speak from, but I, can, um, I can't speak from the experience of being homeless. There's lots of things that I can't speak from. I don't try to. 
but I can speak about the devastation of divorce. I can speak about not being real. I can speak about attending church your whole life and not getting it. I can speak about how to have a prayer life, how to do deliverance, how to lead people, how to raise children, how to and how not to be married. Those are some of the things that I can speak about. I just, you know, I mean, I just sat down today and thought, okay, what can I, you know, just real quickly, those are the ones that came to the top of my head. You can do things. You're artistic. Some of you can sew. I can't do that. I mean, uh, you don't want me to do that. <laughs> Some of you can cook. See what I'm saying? Some of you can do a lot of things. Don't belittle the things that you can do. Because God tells us, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I have a tendency to do that sometimes. I can speak of God's provision, his testing. I can talk about religion. Once we have an understanding of who we are, we are on a track of discovery. We then need to think about our position, our rank, and our authority. Our position is determined by more, is determined more by knowing and believing faith than by the actual location. Once we have an understanding of who we are, we're on a track of discovery, and then we need to think of our, our position and our rank and our authority. Okay, what I mean is, is our position is more determined by knowing and believing faith than by an actual location, okay? Our position with God, who we are, all of that is determined by what we believe, not by where we are, okay? We don't have to be in perfect circumstances to have a position in God's army or God's spiritual war, okay? It's not obtained by that. It's obtained differently. See, while our bodies may be here on an earth realm, our strength, our authority, and our victory come from the spirit realm. The real action takes place in our spiritual home. Once that battle is settled over there, the result is, is, is manifested over here. As believers, we operate from heavenly places, and we are part of Christ's body, and everything that can be named is already under our feet, right? So if we know who we are, we know who we belong to, we know our place in God, what can stop us? Ephesians, let me find that scripture. Ephesians 1, 19 through 23 says, And his imparably great, incomparably great power for us who believe is power like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above rule and authority, not a little bit above, far above rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, it wasn't back then, but also in the one to come. God placed all things under his feet and appointing him, appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So Jesus, up, that scripture tells us that Jesus is in charge. He's head of the body, which is us. When we are seated at the right hand of God, we are in the place of supreme authority. Many other passages affirm that Christ delegated his authority to us. We'll just go through a couple of them. Ephesians 2, 6 says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. Okay, well, if he's there, this is what he's got. We're there with him. It means we got that too. We are his delegated authority. 
Matthew 28, 18 and 19 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's pretty clear. Surely I am with you always. So he's always with us. Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Now there's something we can war with. Nothing will harm you. Well, you lie in whatever because the scripture tells me that nothing's going to harm me. So I break you down in Jesus' name. I come against you because you're harming my family. You're harming the, pers- the, the, the purposes of God. This is how we war with the scripture. Nothing can harm us. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, don't say, did you just see what I did? Because that's not what it's about. It's about that our names are written in heaven. You start doing that, you won't be swinging too much, too far. Jesus passed his authority and his victory over all the powers of darkness to us. We We need to know and believe that we are operating from a high place when we are in him. The key is, is to know that we're in him. Got it? We're in him. Not in us. You know, not in, 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 in um, what do we call it when we go out and we, we do things on our own and we say it's faith? Presumption. There we go. Thank you. It's a mystery how we can be in Christ and at the same time he is in us. However, if we believed it and lived it, this truth would make all the difference. If he's in us and we're in him, he's in us and we're in him, we're just an extension of him. What difference would that make in your life? Well, how would that work for you? I mean, would it change anything for you? But that's what it says. How come we're not doing that? Because we're not always applying everything that's here. He's given us everything. I mean, just maybe four or five of these scriptures that we went through tonight, if we just took hold of those, let alone the whole book. We got a whole book of them. Just pick one out and believe it and go do it. Just one or two. If we seek his kingdom first, all these things shall be added unto you. Let's try that one. Let's go and baptize nations. Disciple them. Oh, you mean people. No, I mean nations. That's what it says. Disciple them. Let's do it. Oh, we can't because why? No, we can Anything that says otherwise is a lie. Anything that says, say no, you get back in Jesus' name. I'm come through. Come on. Isn't that what it says? Why can we not just believe it? Why can we not just believe it? We need to know. We need to know, no, 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 no. And if you don't know, well, then get in the word and keep reading it over and over and over. Just take one. One, and know it. How powerful. Just just get one or two. We are in him, and he is in us, and without, without him we can do nothing. There's another one. Psalms 18, 28 through, 7, uh, 28 through 37. It's a little long, but it's worth it, I think. You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. 
He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For he, who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down and make me great. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn. I am pursued by my enemies. And you overtook them. That's one, just not even 10 verses in one psalm. You train my hands for battle. My arms can bend the bow of bronze. We don't understand our own power. We have the creator of the universe that lives within us. Why are we not victorious? What is our excuse? Interesting question. Well, we need to know our authority. It's good and well to read the word, but we need to take it to heart and believe it. We need to put it into practice. And if you do not pick up the authority that has been given to you, it's your fault. He's already provided all we need. So after all that wonderful scripture, we need to know our authority. Our authority comes from knowing who we are, knowing who he is, knowing his word, and applying it in our lives. We need to know our areas of responsibility. Paul was an apostle to the uncircumcised. Who's that? You and me, except for those two. They're Jews. They get the other one. <laughs> but Paul was an apostle to the uncircumcised. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter was an apostle to the circumcised. So he was an apostle to the Jews. Okay? Now, that's not saying that I can't be an evangelist. But that's not what I'm called to. That is not my area of responsibility. God has not called me to be an evangelist. Now, do I, can I lead people to Jesus? Yes. Do I need to be able to lead? Yeah, that's part of the Great Commission. But that is not my general function, to be an evangelist. Do you see what I'm saying? It's okay to, I mean, we all need to know how to do that, but some people are just better at certain things than others. You know, you don't make the, evan- you don't make the teacher the evangelist. You don't make, you know, the mercy person do you see what I'm saying? You have to know what your responsibilities are. Okay. We also need to not only just know about people groups or in, in certain functions like that, but we need to know the land or the territories that, w- that we um, have responsibility over. First of all, we have responsibility over ourselves. We have a responsibility over our families, right? What else do you have responsibility over? You have responsibility with the body of Christ to accomplish what God has called you to do. But I can't tell you what your area of responsibility is. God can tell you. Ask him. He'll tell you. You'll have great authority there. You'll have great success there. That's where you're called. That's where, that's your place in line. We line up troops here. We just all run out there and decide, I want to be over here. That ain't going to work. You have to get into your place. Okay. Find out where your place is. Find out what God has called you to. There's lots of ways that you can do that. When we're at a strategic level, Job 22.7 says, you will make your prayer to him and he will hear you because you're in place doing what you're supposed to do. When we hear him and then we can move into our places. In Job 22.28, it says, you will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. We're walking in our place. We're doing what we're supposed to do. 
We're going after it. We can declare it, and it will be so. I'm a big declarer. God's raised me up to be a declarer. He's told me that. He said, you are, you are a declarer. Declare things. If you're around me very long and you hear me praying, I start shouting what, I'm, what I am and what it is and what's going to be. Because I want the word to go forth and do that which it's supposed to accomplish. That's what I'm called to do. It's part of what I'm called to do. How do I know that? Because I spent time with God and he told me. And so I know I do it. And when I do it, I know it's right. And I see it come to pass. That's what you do. You find out what it is, how you do it. You don't do it like me. You do it like God tells you to do it. Get in your place. Let's black up for a second and just, couple of, couple of, just discuss very quickly a couple more areas that are weapons that, we, that sometimes we tend to overlook. Some weapons that we tend to overlook is our stewardship of our resources. God will always use what is in our hands. He's not asking you to do something you ain't got. He's not asking you to be somebody you ain't. It's not proper English, but you know what I'm saying. You don't have to, you know, pick it on me. You don't have to be me. You don't have to be Dean. You know, I get frustrated sometimes because just visions and the word of the Lord and everything, you don't have to do nothing. It just comes to him in his sleep. Like, and it's always right on, you know? It's just who he is. It's his gifting. I can't, I can't do that. I mean, I, I get dr dreams, and God, you know, I told you he's woke me up with a couple of things, but... You know, that's since May, two things since May. I mean, he talks to me every day through the word, but he doesn't speak to me all the time through dreams and visions. So I can cry over spilled milk and keep going after it, but that's not going to be where he's going to speak to me, I don't think, unless he opens up a new place and I'm open to that. You just have to, you know, be, be good with what God's given you. He'll know what we have if we've been faithful to wield it, wield it. Why are we always so busy looking for the out of the ordinary when God is simply asking us for what is in our hands? Understand the common becomes mighty when he anoints it. What is in your hand means whatever you have in your care or control. This could be money, possessions, talents, abilities. What you withhold or refuse to give from your hand is often very revealing as to what resides within your heart. What is it that you got that you're not going to give to him? You're just going to withhold. You're not going to use for his kingdom. What is it? Tells a lot about what's going on in your heart. Why is it important that we know what is in our hands? Stretch out your hands to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. That's in Acts 4.30. Stretch out your hand, he says, and heal. Apparently we got it in there. How many times have we been stretching out our hands and healing? How many times? So what if we pray for somebody 50 times or, or, or for 50 people and 10 get healed? How many would have gotten healed if you hadn't have prayed for the 50 or the 10 or the whatever? I think we have not because we ask not. Oh, that's scripture. Is that true? It's true. Let's war for it. Okay? So that's what this is about. Saying, okay, this is mine. I'm going to do it. Lord, you show me. How is this accomplished? As we release what is in our hands, he releases what's in his. Philip's translation, how many are aware there's a Bible with the Philip's translation? Romans 12, 2 says, Do not let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within. A self-controlled person is one whose thinking is being shaped by God's truth and not by the prevailing culture in which that person lives. Isn't that cool? 
Philip's transmission. Translation. Did I say transmission? Philip's translation. It's a transmission. It puts us into gear. I'm thinking of the scripture. You know, you guys know how much I love this, the Ten Commandments, the story of the Ten Commandments and Moses and all that. And I just watch it over and over. I have that movie and, you know, I'm in a, I, I, I can almost verbatim tell you it. I love that movie. But then I have to go back to the scripture. Okay, now that was movie. This is Bible. That was movie. This is Bible. That was movie. This is Bible. I, I did, one time I got into a critical thing and I was looking for all the things it was. Ah, that ain't right. Ah, that ain't right. But I just, I just, I, God just speaks to me through that movie and I love it. You know what? God uses the staff that was in Moses' hands. It was just a shepherd's staff. Look at all the things he did with that staff. He doesn't ask us for something that he doesn't, that we don't have. He was just a shepherd. He had a staff, and he gave it to God, and he freed a nation. He brought them out of captivity. He led them through the Red Sea. He hit a rock and got water. What resources do you have? Time? Do you have time? Some people have time. Some people don't have time. Do they have the ability to pray? Can you pray? Can you make cookies? Can you read? Can you dance? I can't make cookies. You don't know why I can't make cookies? Because they're too long to stand in immediately, and they're too short to go and do something else. I don't have the patience for cookies. I can bake a cake, but cookies I have trouble with because I'm like, I could go do this, and then I go do this, and the cookies are burned. And I can't stand standing there for six minutes or eight minutes or whatever because that's like, unless I had a book. But then if I had a book, I'd get caught up in the book, and then I'd burn the cookies. So I cannot make cookies. So don't ask me to make you cookies, okay? You said everybody can make cookies. I can't make cookies. With Lord's help, I can make cookies. But I can't make cookies, but there are people who can make cookies. You think that's a small thing, you know? Make cookies, pray for people. Take them the cookies and bless them. You get, a, you get relationships with people. When you get relationships with people, then they let you into their heart. And then they let you pray for them. And then they ask you why your life is different. And then they know that you're real. Starts with making cookies. If God tells you to make cookies. I'm not telling you that's the answer. I'm just telling you. Can you read? Can you dance? Can you wave flags? Do you have money? Do you have a home? Do you have food? What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? That's all he's asking for is what you have. He's not asking for what you don't have. What do you have? Can you give it to him? Don't limit your thoughts as to only monetary. He'll take your money. The kingdom means your money. Most ministers need your money. I'm not lying to you. We do. But that's not all we need. But we do need money. I don't like it when people say, I don't want your money. I do want your money. You want to give me your money? I'll take it. We need your money. We'll take your money. We'll go with it. We'll do things for the kingdom with it. I'm not going to say I don't need your money. But that's not why I do it. And I'm going to be doing series on... Um, Biblical giving in the upcoming days, but we won't go there. There are those needed in the kingdom, all of the things that I mentioned, and there's lots of other ones. Let's just look through what we have. Just, I went through this the other day. What, can I, what do I have, you know? What do I have? Well, I can pray. I know I can pray. I mean, I'm not a professional prayer, but I can pray. I've learned how to pray. I've taught, I've taught or or studied or had relationship with God, I can pray. Okay, I'll pray. God, you want me to pray? I'll pray. I'll give you my prayer. What do you want, Lord? 
I now have more time than I've ever had as far as to go after you and to seek you because I believe that's what God's called me to do. So God, what is it you want me to do at this time? Do you want me to put down this reading? Do you want me to put down this teaching? Do you want me to put down, do you want me to just pray? Not just, but I'd rather do that if that's what he wants me to do. That's part of what he wants me to do. He's called me to pray. I can love. I can love. I didn't know that years ago, but I can love. I can love on people. I can lead. Where do you want to go? I'll take you. I don't know how to get there, but I'll find out. I'll be one step ahead of you. I can lead. That's a gift God gave him, given me. I'd be silly not to recognize it. Even when I try not to, I rise to the surface. It's a gift that God's given me. It's not me. I'm a, it is me, but it doesn't make me any different. It's just who I am. I'll just go first. I'll take the first whack. Right? Isn't that what the leader does? I can plan. I can organize. I have books. That one's hard for me give up my books. That would be very hard for me to give up my books. But I will if that's what he wants. I love my books, but I'll give them up if that's what he wants. I'll give them to whoever needs them. If that's going to further his kingdom, what do you have that he can use? See, because it's not all about what I have. It's about what all of us have because he needs all of it. Not because he, you know, he can't make it. Oh, my gosh. You see what I'm saying? But he's chosen to work here on earth, and he will anoint what we have. Woof. Like that sound? Woof. I wish I was a boy. I could make better sounds. Men are better at sounds. They are. Men are better at sounds. We're better at talking. Um. <laughs> But God will come down and encompass that thing. He'll consume it with power, fire, and change lives. If you'll just let him use what you have. Okay, let's switch gears here a little bit. For every one of those areas that we talked about, we can, we can war on three levels. We've talked about this a little bit. Ground-level spiritual warfare. This is casting out demons out of, individually, out of individuals individually or in groups, however they want to come out. Um, most commonly known as deliverance ministry. As Christians living in co as committed, obedient lives, we bring light into darkness. Wherever we go, deliverance should be happening. We're bringing light into darkness. We're exposing darkness. We're bringing deliverance to say that those are captive, to those that are captive, come out, and those in darkness be free. That's what we're to do. Might have it backwards. It might be say to the doctors, come out and those in captives be free. I don't think so. Because I always think it should be the other way around. I also believe that living in the kingdom is a form of warfare. What I mean, in order to effectively advance the kingdom, we're going to have to advance in war on all three of these levels. Okay? This ground level warfare, we live in it every day. When darkness is trying to invade us and we're trying to invade it, that is ground level warfare. And if you don't think you're in it, you need to pray because you are in it. And we, the Holy Spirit, wars for those who are captured in darkness that they will see a great light. They're in a war and they don't know. There's someone warring over his, their soul, warring over them, 
that they would come into the kingdom of light, that they would be set free from the kingdom of darkness. And they have veils over their eyes and over their ears, and they can't hear what the Spirit says. And God needs those who will war for them and who will speak for them and that will go for them and bring. Doesn't it not say that he sought for a man and there was none? And he couldn't do what he wanted to do because he chooses to work through men. And we have a second level or another level of spiritual warfare that we must deal with. It's an occult level. Some of us will never run into this. I'll tell you what, you get filled with the Holy Ghost and you get walking in, in who God's called you to be, they'll come out of the woodwork because light invades darkness. The sad part of it is, is there's not enough Christians that are full of the Spirit enough that we stir anything up. They can go undetected because where our light ain't bright enough. Like that word I'm using a lot tonight, ain't. It's true. Sad. How can we go through church service or service after service after service after service and not have people getting set free? You think there aren't any demons and deliverance of darkness in your place of worship? Not so. Even Jesus ran into them in the synagogue. It said right one of the very beginning scriptures when, you know, he was in there. I think it was when he, was it right after he anointed, uh, he, the, he read the scroll of Isaiah saying that this is what he was called to. And then a guy, and he had to cast a demon out right there in church. That ain't happening. How many places you going that's happening? That's a problem. I mean, I see that as a problem. That should be happening because the world hasn't gotten nicer. The scripture that we talked about in Revelation that says, that he has been cast down the earth and his fury is great because he knows his time is short. That doesn't mean that he's gotten nicer. That's what it says. Okay, go back to the occult level. This is not confronting individual demons, but rather dealing with more organized activities of evil spirits, such as found in witchcraft. Let's say Wicca, which I will be getting to. Witchcraft, Wicca. Voodoo, Eastern religion, Satanism, Freemasonry, Santeria, New Age, magic, and all those kinds of things. You know, probably some other ones that they came up with. New, new lies, you know, with old, cloaked in old things. See, this is nasty stuff. When we come face to face with the evil of the enemy, this is the area of warfare that gets ugly. And at times, we, it can be lengthy. We are seriously encroaching and invading on the territory of darkness when we start messing with this stuff. Satan does not take it lightly, and those who are his agents don't either. See, the other one we should be just doing on a day-to-day basis. I mean, this is just being, you know, whatever. But this one, you know, you're starting to get really serious. You start running into these things. Then we have a strategic level spiritual warfare, and this enters the invisible realm of the principalities and the powers of darkness that often take the form of territorial spirits assigned to keep whole geographical areas, society or social spheres, or cultural groups in bondage to evil. Let's just talk about one, Islam. Does it have a large social group in bondage to evil? Absolutely, it's an Antichrist spirit. Any place where you see that level of oppression of women in the Antichrist spirit is an operation because the devil hates women. Because we know who he is. We catch him a lot faster than anybody else does. So we got caught once. We ain't getting caught again. And now what the scripture says that from our seed, he hates us. He hates us. He hates women. 
This is clearly the most demanding area of spiritual warfare. It can result in casualties if not done wisely. According to the to spiritual protocol and under the specific direction and the assignment of the Holy Spirit. Having said this, much of the warfare directly related to the taking dominion and social transformation obviously will take place at this strategic level. Prayer, spiritual mapping, identificational repentance, prayer walking, prophetic acts, reconciliation, all those kinds of things are involved in that level of intercession. This, well, intercession and warfare. This is the level in which I believe, I believe, that we should gather in corporate prayer under an apostolic leader. This form of warfare, warfare is intense and demands perseverance, repentance, proclamation, declaration, and a high level of faith. It's a corporate thing, I believe. I don't think it's individual. I think it's corporate. And possibly because we haven't flowed in an apostolic manner like this is why we've lost land. How many witch covens do it all by themselves? What do you think they're doing out there dancing around fires and drinking blood? You don't think they drink blood? They drink blood. They do all kinds of unmentionable things. You think there aren't child sacrifices anymore? That's not the truth. It's the truth. If they're that dedicated, how dedicated are we? We run into teachings or people who have people that who have actually run into witches who say that they're fasting. People thinking that they're Christians. Oh, are you a Christian? I'm not a Christian. I'm a Satanist. I'm fasting for the demise of Christian marriages. It's true. Okay. Well, how do we start to do these things? James chapter 4 says, concerns the Christian struggle with the world, the flesh and the devil. And in this verse, James says, submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's how we start. Before we begin, we need to confess any sin on our own lives. 1 John 1, 9. There should be overheads for that or we may have lost it. We need to forgive those who have wronged us. Do you know that's an open door for the enemy? That if we have any unforgiveness, that leaves the door open for the tormentors to come? Who do you think the tormentors are? They're not angels. We need to receive forgiveness for those sins. See, because we can ask God to forgive us, but we can sometimes not receive the forgiveness. We're still operating like we're still under the judgment of them. Oh, I'm such a bad person. You wouldn't believe what I did 20 years ago. Well, if I've confessed it, it's gone. We need to receive forgiveness of it. Sometimes we need to receive forgiveness of ourselves. Ourselves. We need to forgive ourselves. Get a mirror. Cynthia, I forgive you for being a screw-up. I release you from making all those mistakes. I forgive you for not knowing what to do all the time. I release you from having to know everything all the time. You think I haven't said that one? Part of my personality, I think I have to have all the answers. Part where I can get into the flesh, you know, part of that teacher stuff. We want to know everything. Well, I can't know everything. And I have to let myself know that. It's okay to not know. It's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay. It's okay to be weak. I got to forgive myself for that. 
okay to be weak. You can be weak. I release you to be weak. We need to renounce the sin and the lies that we lies that we've believed. That was one of my lies. I have to be strong. I cannot be weak. I can show no weakness. Well, that's a lie. I had to renounce that. I renounce the lie that I have to be strong, that I can show no weakness. I renounce that lie and I embrace the truth that I can be weak before the Lord, that he wants me to be who I am. I can release myself to not know the answers. I can release myself to allow him because he works through our weaknesses, right? When we give those areas, what that means is when we give those areas over to him, then he can work through them. But when we think we got it handled, hey, I got this one handled. You know, that's a joke I always say. You know, God, I know you're busy. I'll handle this one. It's one of the areas that I have to watch out for with my personality. So I think I know how to do it. I can, I can do this. You've done this before. I know how to do this. I'd be the one that would be out there beating the rock with a stick every time. <laughs> you know? You know, Moses got in trouble with that because the next time he went to a rock, he beat it. And God said, don't beat it this time. I said, speak to it. So it's important that we go back to God and get, we'll be talking about that in a second. Don't get ahead of myself. Okay, we need to warfare from two different perspectives, offensive and defensive. We need to be prepared to defend ourselves against the attack of the enemy. We have been ignorant of his devices, and we've not been fit for battle in the past. We need to also begin to take offensive and not get, tuck, get stuck in defense. I think that's what most Christians are stuck in defense instead of going after the offense. Somebody's going to be running after somebody. And I'm not going to be running from the enemy. He's going to be running from me. It's a choice I made. It's much easier. It's much easier. I have to stand my guard. But I don't get run over as much. You think you can just lay down? You can, but you've lost. You've lost. 2 Corinthians 11.3 in the Amplified tells us, there are Christians... Wholehearted, oh, I'm sorry, that's not, the, that's not the scripture, but this is a, check out 2 Corinthians 11.3, the Amplified Version. But Beth Moore says, there are Christians wholehearted and sincere, sincere in devotion to Christ that can be beguiled by the enemy. His utmost fantasy is to corrupt and seduce. Not only are the godly capable of suddenly sprawling into a ditch from a solid upright path, but many do. To think that we're not ever going to get knocked out is a huge deception. So we need people around us. How can this happen? We need to recognize our open doors. We need to close them. And we need to gain the strategy and win the war. Walter Brueggemann says, it's a bold refusal to let the trouble that surrounds us be bigger than the God who comes to meet us. Isn't that cool? I love that quote. A bold refusal to let the trouble that surrounds me be bigger than the God who comes to meet us or even should we say, the God that is within us. I refuse to believe that this is bigger than the God that I serve. If it's bigger than the God that I serve, do I really want to serve him? If something here on this earth is bigger than who he is, do I really want to serve that God? Kind of a strange way to look at it, but... Luke 2.30 says, For my eyes have seen your salvation. What has our focus been on? What has our focus been on? Has our focus been on this or on this? This or this. You know, I do this in counseling a lot. I have to get out here so I don't knock myself over. When we get our eyes on this, relationships like this work out. 
But when we're going through this, we try to treat people the best way we can. It ain't too great. Some people do better than others. Probably other people better than me. But when I do this, and I keep my eyes on this, and then I treat people the way he would have to, man, they get treated a lot better than I could ever think of. We keep our focus on this. His perspective, his plan, his purpose. Let me look at this stuff. That's our problem is we got our focus on the wrong thing. He's the one that our focus is supposed to be on. His plan, his purpose, his kingdom. Another little ditty I like that I've had taped in my mirror for a long time, not so much since we moved into this house, but for years, is today's preparation determines tomorrow's success. What's happening today is the outcome of what happened days past. Our spiritual atmosphere of our home is the outcome of what we've done in days past. Have we allowed things in there that we shouldn't have? Then that's why your atmosphere is the way it is. Clean it up. It's not got to be ever forever that way. We repent, say, oh God, forgive me of that. Chuck that booba out. Booba. Chuck that bubba. Chuck that bubba out. Or what do you call that big fat guy? What's his name? Buddha. Buddha. There we go. Having a Chuck Bubba. Buddha. I keep calling him Bubba. Lord, forgive me. <laughs> if there's some Bubba spirits, we send him out too. And you know what? I've run into those. Those are not. I call them Bubba, Bubba spirits. Those are those ones that think women have a place. And it's not the same place that God thinks they are either. So I call them, them Bubba's. Ungodly bubbas. There's probably godly ones, but I ain't run into them. Okay. What will, when will we begin to reign in this life? Do you believe that we are supposed to reign here? Yes. Do you believe that we're supposed to be the head and not the tail? Yes. Well, when are we going to live it? Do we really believe it? If we really believe it, then we should be living it. Yes. Isn't that kind of what we said? How do we explain that to people when we aren't it? Well, this is how it's supposed to be. Welcome at eight. Well, <laughs> really, when will we be un- begin to exercise life in the face of death? We look at that thing and I say, I speak life to you in Jesus' name. I speak life to you. I speak life to your body in Jesus' name. Lisa Bevere tells us, I have to go fast here. Lisa Bevere tells us to let what is on the inside of you overtake what is on the outside of you. How only, however, that only works if what is on the inside of you is God. I mean, it works, but it's not a good work. All right. Quickly, as an ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, we are giving the commands to influence the world and affects change in the lives of those who are bound. We're to influence. We're to impact the major systems of the world. You should have an overhead for this. So societal, political, economical, educational, all of those. We're to infiltrate enemy territory. We're to implement and establish the behaviors and the characteristics and the directives of the kingdom. We are to influence. We are to impact. We are to infiltrate. We are to implement. How do we do that? Well, we war with confidence. We war with faith. We war with a good conscience. We war with the steadfastness and faith. We war with sincerity. We war with clear-headedness. We war with endurance. We war with or in self-denial. You know that we love not our life unto death? We have to remember also that the, that the um, battleground is where? In our minds. 
Most of the time, that's where it's at. Spotting one here, spotting one there, and here, and then here. And we have our here, we're like two steps behind. Here, here, and here. If we fail here, it goes here, and if we fail here, it goes here. From God, heavenly throne, unseen realm, to our mind, from our mind, into the natural realm. We miss one step, it goes to the next. To the, un to the degree that we understand Christ's provision for us, and that we understand the principles governing those provisions, and we appropriate them through obedience and faith, is the degree in which we will walk in his provision for us or in that promise. Does that make sense to you? Kind of a lot to talk about. When we understand his provision or his promise to us, and we understand the principle governing it or the provision of it, and we appropriate them through obedience and faith, to that degree will we, will we receive and, and walk in his provision. Just like salvation, to the level that we understand salvation and we apply it to our lives and walk in it is the level of salvation that we're going to have, really, sanctification. It's the same way with his promises and his provisions. To the level we get it, and we begin to walk in it in obedience. Then, you know, then, then that's the way we're going to get it. How many of you know that salvation is available to everybody? It is. We also need to rec recognize that with every promise comes a condition that governs, governs it. Be sure that you've got the condition covered of the promise that you found in the Word of God. To the degree we follow through with these conditions and understanding the provision, knowing its principles, and properly fulfill them is the degree that we'll, is the degree that we'll receive God's provision in our lives. Well, let's talk just for a few minutes about strategy. How do we obtain strategy? Well, from everything that I've told you, this is a summary here. From everything that I've told you, how would we go about getting, gaining strategy? First, we have to have a relationship with him, the one who gives the strategy. How do we hear what he has to say? What are the, some of the ways we hear? Because we'd have to listen to him to, in order to get his strategy. How would we do that? Reading his word? Prayer? Pray. How, how, how do we get to pray? How do we get into the throne room? Let's start there. Worship. We enter into his gates with praise and thanksgiving. So there's a big strategy, you know. The prophets of old would have the minstrels come and sing because then they could hear from the Lord. You get all this surround going around you. Sometimes you need to get some worship on so you can hear what God has to say. That's what I love about corporate worship. I mean, I'll get out my pencil. I just love it. God's speaking to me. He's telling me stuff. We need to gain strategy by listening to his voice however that works for you, however you get there, how, whatever praise and worship looks like for you. It looks different for everybody, you know. When Dean's out in his office and he's, he tells me he's worshiping, the house walls are going boom, boom, boom. You know, he's got these, what do you call them things? Bumpers. Thumpers. Thumpers, he calls them thumpers. I mean, I'm not kidding you, a whole walls. The kids are like, Dean's out there praying. So yeah, he's praying. You know, when I'm worshiping, see, I have different words. Praise is that, hey, 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 you know, let's, let's bebop the walls and bumper. But when I'm worshiping, it's all soft, you know, and singing in the spirit sweetly. When I war, I'm running around, you know, marching back and forth, beating drums or listening to drums, praying in spirit and declaring, you know, and that's how I do it. But that doesn't mean, you know, he worships with the walls beating out. I'm thinking, how can you worship? I can hear anything. You're rattling your brain, but that works for him. You know, he just gets into God's presence there. But that's how he does it. So I'm not going to go out there and say, okay, 
get something soft on. I surrender all. Then you'll be able to hear God. No, that doesn't work for him. See what I'm saying? Get before God how it works for you. Praise will work. Whatever praise means. I mean, that's what God says. That's how you get there is praise. Worship, thanksgiving. But however praise and worship works for you, do it that way. I'm not going to get into You have to sing a hymn, number 323 or anything like that. That's religion, right? Certain styles of worship. You know, you can only sing certain ways. You can't have any drums because they're of the devil. And, right? I mean, we've moved past that. But isn't that what they thought? You know what they said? Okay. We need to go to God, we need to hear God, and we need to get some, some keys for have, having the victory. God has a wisdom that's greater than any worldly wisdom that we see or know. Powers and principalities do not have, do not have access to this wisdom. The authority of the uh, demonic forces is limited. There is wisdom that has been hidden since the beginning of time for his glory. Isn't that, isn't you talking about, you know, the mysteries are being revealed? Through the redemptive cross of Jesus Christ, you have ex- accessed this wisdom. God is prepared. Doesn't the word scripture also say that if we lack any wisdom, we can ask and he'll give it? God is prepared to release this wisdom to us as we get to know him intimately through prayer. Scripture tells us that even the mysteries will be revealed. In the book of Amos, the Lord says he does nothing without revealing it to his prophets. This God's this wisdom, God's wisdom and power will overthrow high places and release the captives. God's wisdom dismantles demonic structures and dethrones the thrones of iniquity. Underestimating the power of the enemy is a major danger, and some have paid the price for falling into it. Several American pastors have, who have taken on territorial spirits have ended up leaving the ministry, and others have died. See, some see their role as that of Daniel in the story of the great heavenly battle, which took place between the angels and the prince of Persia and Greece, described in Daniel 10. Daniel did not engage the enemy directly. In fact, apparently he didn't even not know there was a battle going on. He was clueless. He was just praying and fasting. He didn't know. We only know because we have someone telling us about it and giving us a revelation of that's what was happening in the unseen. You know, when you're under attack, don't think that that's all there is. We can't see it all. We don't know what's going on. In fact, he stayed at home and prayed to God, yet his prayer triggered the cosmic struggle. Even Michael, the archangel, at one time did not dare to accuse the devil, but he asked the Lord to do it for him. So we need to be careful and recognize he's been at this for a long time. We need to have appropriate caution is called for when we do spiritual warfare. At the same time, however, there seems to be a biblical mandate for boldness in engaging the enemy to find the balance. So don't not do it, you know, because you might go too far. So I'm not going to do it at all. Well, that's a real good one. You know, that's the enemy wants you to do. He wants to freak you out because if you do this, I'm going to get you. All right? That's why we need to know our spheres of influence. We need to know who we are. We need to band together. We need to use wisdom. Praise and worship. Prophetic words. We need to believe the prophets, the word says, and we will prosper. There are prophets today. Let me tell you. There are two traps. There's one to stay out of the war by ignoring it or by getting too involved at a level for which you're not prepared or called. Know your sphere of influence. Know your authority. Know your calling. Balance, the word, prayer, and Holy Ghost. Dangers, the word without the Holy Spirit, we get hard and break up. That's religion. The Holy Spirit, without the word, we get pumped up and blow up. You ever see any charismatic quacks? Fruitcakes, I mean. Fruit nuts. Come on. 
do you have a lot of, you know, confidence in what they say and do? You don't have any, it's like, what are you, what are you, okay, so you got all the zeal and all this other stuff, but you don't have no word behind you. You've got to have both. Too much zeal or soul zeal and not spirit can be really dangerous. Really dangerous. I've seen someone who, you know, who insisted that they were, they went into someplace, was not their authority. They went into someone else's home and started commanding a spirit of Jezebel. And they got beat up big time. You know? And they thought that was all God. It's like, no, that's stupid. That's just stupidity. You don't go into somebody else's house where you're not invited and start calling out demons. I'm sorry. That is not your authority. It is not your place. I've never heard of anybody being successful doing that. You better know it's God before you go into a place that isn't, isn't your authority. I mean, that's just that's dumb. It's just dumb. And then put it off as being a God thing. It's just dumb. I mean, we do some dumb stuff. Just because someone shouts and hollers and has a lot of zeal doesn't mean that it's God. Okay? But just because somebody knows the word doesn't mean that they got the spirit either. We need both. Amen? Amen. All right. So, we need to get filled up with the word of God. We need to get filled up with the spirit. And then, we need to go and do it. We need to take back the kingdoms of this world for the kingdoms of our God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together, Lord. We ask that this word, though quickly spoken, Lord, would find lodging in our hearts. Lord, that um, you have parables that says the seed fell and some fell on rocky soil, some fell and the birds came and ate it up, God, and others came and it got root. And so, God, we ask that this word would grow roots and would grow fruit. Father, I just pray that over these people. I pray this over them, Lord God, that we would see much fruit, that, Lord, you would just make these truths so real to them, Lord God. Let them embrace just three or four or five, one or two, God, whatever. Let them get a hold of it. Let them get a hold of, Lord, that there's a kingdom out there. Your kingdom is waiting for whatever they have in their hand that they will yield to you for you to use. Father, we bless you, and I bless this group. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this resource and that God has used it to bless you. For additional resources or to contact us, visit the D.L. Martin Ministries website at dlmm.org or you can call our ministry office at area code 850-455-5011. Thank you for letting D.L. Martin Ministries serve you. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.